new concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Hey, good morning, everybody. I think we're live. Having some technical uh, difficulties this morning, but uh, that is not to be unexpected here. So we're going to get ready to roll. And I'm really excited for you guys to be here with us this morning as we talk through minimalism, which is something that I'm really excited to bring to you guys probably over the next two or three podcast sessions. We're going to be talking about minimalism. But you're talking more in life. More just, yeah. Well, it can be used for anything. I mean, that's the thing. There's a lot of people that come down on this minimalist idea, this minimalism idea, and just say, hey, what, you know, what does that mean? And they hear what someone says is a definition of it. Well, it can mean anything. I mean, it can mean a lot of different things to you. So what, yeah, what I'm mainly focusing on on this podcast and what I've really kind of been gripped by lately is this idea of just, I would just call it for me personally as noise, just noise everywhere. And it's affecting our society. It's affecting me. It's affecting, it's affecting most people I know, whether they want to admit that or not. And we are just so bombarded by noise. There's a lot of noise out there that could be really, really, really good stuff. And if you have too much of it, then it becomes distracting. It becomes noise, right? So what I'm describing here is uh, over 2016, I was a, an information junkie. I was downloading podcasts. I was downloading audiobooks. I was downloading and saving websites to a couple of different PDF readers that I have. And I just thought, hey, I'm, I'm really organized here. I've got all these, PD, I've got all these uh, podcasts that I've subscribed to. I've got all of these PDF readers that I save websites to. I've got all of these you know, things going on. And what I realized was, even though those were good things, it just became too much Yeah, without me even realizing it. And so in 2017, I was just really gripped by this feeling of, you know, I've got to start simplifying as the new year comes. And so what I did was I started implementing a system here in my office where my staff, I would send them an email because what happened was I was trying to save these emails in my inbox of things that would come in, either a newsletter, maybe it's somebody that runs a podcast or a coaching service or a news service out there. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to subscribe to that newsletter. And I don't subscribe to a ton of them, maybe maybe five or six, but it's always coming. It's always coming. And I couldn't read these articles. I couldn't get to them. And so I would, I would just keep them there in my inbox. And then the inbox just kept piling up and piling up and piling up. And so I thought, oh my gosh, I've got, this is not good because this is stressing me out every time I get in my inbox. So I said, okay, I've got a system. I'm going to print these articles off and I'm going to keep a folder. It's, and it says to read on it. And I thought, you know what, if I can have this folder that I carry around with me in my bag and just when I'm at home or when I get to the office in the morning and I'm grabbing a cup of coffee, I'll just pull out two or three of those articles and read them. But what happened? The folder filled up. And then I thought, well, I don't want to lug this giant folder around. <laughs> so now I've got this, I've, you know, I'm, I'm faced with this thing at the end of 2016 where I've got tons of podcasts I've got a lot of audiobooks that I'm probably 25 to 50% of the way through, and somebody else suggests another audiobook. And I'm like, oh man, I have heard a lot about that. I'll grab it and I go yep. purchase it. And now I've got a new book in there. I've got notes on my PDF systems. I've got emails piling up in my inbox. And now I've got notes piling up in the folder over here. Okay. It's just, it's nuts. And the problem is, there's a lot of things we can cut out of our life that is not good and it's not good for us. Yep. This is all good stuff. I think every podcast I was subscribed to was great, but it becomes too much. 
So the whole minimalist idea and, and really what I've started studying more is there's a documentary out. Have you seen the documentary by Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus? Have you seen that or heard about I that? I haven't. My wife was telling me about it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, so it's this really interesting concept, and I think it's good for us to get our mind around minimalism. And I would say for you guys, if you're not struggling with this or you don't think this is a big deal for you, maybe it's not an issue. But I would say challenge yourself on that, because I didn't think it was an issue until it became such an issue that it just caught me, right? And I just got so stressed out by it. And you know me, like I'm an information junkie. I love tech stuff. I try to limit screens in my face and things like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, you can just have too much of it. But I think it's good for us to define what minimalism really is for those of you out there. And it's not just about giving up stuff. I think for a lot of people, just in the the newer definition that people know of minimalism, they think, oh, I'm just going to go through and just give away all of my stuff, right? It's not just about that, because giving away your stuff can be <laughs> really stressful as well. Yep. You're thinking about, okay, I'm throwing out all this stuff that I've had for so long. Is this just a fad or a phase that I'm going through? Well, I want all of this stuff back. <laughs> and then you kind of catch yourself in the middle of it going, oh, maybe I shouldn't throw that out. Maybe I shouldn't throw that out. So now you're stressed because I know I should be throwing stuff out, but in the middle of throwing it out. So it's not just about throwing things out, guys. It's truly about giving up the things that you think about in order to take back control of your time. For me, the minimalism part is more about the information than anything. I don't necessarily have to go through my closet, which by the way, I am going to do this weekend. I don't necessarily have to go through my closet and throw out all of my clothes. Would it be good for me? Maybe. But I don't think those clothes hanging up in my closet are taking up a lot of my time and attention. I do think screens in my face, the information I'm downloading, the newsletters I'm subscribed to, the notes that I'm printing out, the audio books that I'm trying to read, that's taking up a lot of my time and it's stressing me out. And I just want to get to a clean, simplistic life. It's kind of similar to what we were saying a few weeks back. I, my fear for this podcast is that we bring, you know, a lot of really good knowledge, but it's in one ear, out the other, just because there's so much good knowledge floating around in the world, right? It's like, you know, it's noise. Absolutely. If we don't choose to act on what we learn, maybe because we have too much learning going on at the same time, what good is it? You know, yeah. Is it information for the sake of information, or is it information for the sake of being progressive and learning? I mean, taking action and improving your life. Yeah. So there's this book out over the last, you know, year, year and a half, Minimalism. And it's pretty fascinating because they're really just trying to break down this stigma behind minimalism. And really, they can't define it. Well, they can't define it for you and they can't define it for me because it could mean totally different things. That makes sense. Maybe it's an addiction for you. Maybe it's a collection. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's something. And maybe for me, it's something, you know, totally different. But I think the best definition that they give on this is basically just minimalism is that thing that gets us past the things so that we can focus on the most important things. And that's probably one of the best definitions that I've heard. And that could mean different things again for you or me. But it's the thing that gets us past the thing so that we can spend more time on focusing on the most important thing or things. It really kind of goes back to this theme that I've had going the last few weeks of The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. If we can just get all of the noise away and all the noise out of our life that's good but not helping us and not serving us and not adding value to our time or to our lives, will we be better off? So in their idea, it's goal planning. How can we get down to the one thing so that everything else is either unnecessary or easier to accomplish? And I think that's really what a lot of this talks about. So I'd love to read a quote for you guys. I don't like to just read off of a script or read off quotes, but I really do want to read this. And I thought it was pretty fascinating. And it came straight out of the documentary, straight out of the movie. But I want you guys to really 
let this sink in because this spoke to me a lot about just the busyness in life right now. And what am I really focusing on? What's adding value to my life? But this came straight from the movie or straight from the book. And it says, at a time when people in the West are experiencing the best standard of living in history, why is it that at the same time, there is such a longing for more? I think of that as a biologically based delusional craving. And that craving creates a disconnect where you're like a puppet whose strings are being pulled on. We feel restless. We feel always scratching and clawing for more. It's why lottery winners are miserable. It's why homeowners have three car garages. The first car creates an exponential rush of happiness and joy. And the second car comes about because we tire of the first car and we're all wired in society today to become more dissatisfied. We're encouraged to maintain the addiction through technology and information noise, as I mentioned. Americans have these blinders on, and there's definitely an illusion of what our lives should look like, whether it's advertising or your Instagram or Facebook feed. It's this illusion that our lives should be perfect and that we feel happiness, and that happiness oftentimes comes from more stuff. And so really what it goes into in the book is talking more and more about simplifying life, getting things out of our face, getting things out of our just world, getting into deep work. As we talked about before, Cal Newport's book, Deep Work, is just a phenomenal book. I would encourage you guys all to get it. Um, but I would ask you guys, are you enslaved to your devices? Are you sacrificing the important for the immediate? That was another thing I pulled away from the movie that really spoke to me. Am I sacrificing the important? What's going on around me, whether it's my kids, whether it's relationships, whether it's picking up the phone and calling somebody, am I sacrificing the important for what's right there immediately in my face? And I think we're all caught up in it. Yeah, that resonates well. I think very similar to the conversation we had last week about um, just gratitude and being grateful. We have such a hard time in our society just being grateful for the stuff or the things that we have. Um, and so it's like, well, you know, that was nice, but I want more. You know, I like this car, but that new car looks even better and faster. And I think my life would be better if I had that newer version of what I have. You know, for those of you who know me out there, you know, I'm just such a history nerd. I mean, I just, I love history. I love especially the colonial or revolutionary war time period. Not love the revolutionary war, right? But just that time period. And I don't know why. I can't describe that. There's just something in my wiring that just loves that period of time. And I really do. I'm starting to learn. I think the reason I've had such a draw to that is just how simple and simplistic it is. You know that I had a chance this past year to buy part of my family's land that's got an old farmhouse on it. And man, there's nothing more I love than going up there. There's no TV. There's no internet. When you don't have that stuff right there around you, it just kind of tends to make you not chase after it as much. Yeah. It's just really cool. But I would just say, when you think back about the revolutionary period or the colonial period, I read through Thomas Jefferson's books and diary journals and some of the things that they were doing. And hard work was a noble thing. And they, they talked about that as nobility working from sunup to sundown. But it wasn't the same sunup to sundown that we experienced. It was breaks through there. It was talking to friends. It was coming in early for dinner, especially in months like right now where it gets dark around 5.30 p.m. or so. They're cutting it off early. They're going in for dinner really early, like 4, like really? the Luby's, Luby's crowd. Like like dinner back then was like around 4 p.m., probably just because they worked so hard during the day. And they, they were up at 4. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they're up at 4, up when the sun comes up, and they're after it, you know, after a quick breakfast, and they're out. And then they talk about working throughout the day, but also taking a lot of breaks having tea, having coffee, just things that we just don't stop and think about today. But then after the sun goes down and as soon as dinner's over, candles get lit, the family sit around, 
the room, reading by candlelight. The average American back then got over 10 hours of sleep as well, whereas our no society way. today gets less than seven on average in the U.S. Wow. It's just, a, it's just a more simplistic time. So this is not anything, this whole noise thing is not something that just came about overnight. It's probably 100 years of evolution through advertising and marketing and culture and what we gravitate toward in sports and you know all of those sort of things. And so Cal Newport says in his book, to reference deep work, he says deep work doesn't just happen overnight either. It's just like playing a guitar. It takes training and it takes time. It does not come naturally. So I've talked to a lot of people out there who have written in about the podcast saying, hey, you talk about focus and deep work a lot, and I just get so distracted. I'm trying so hard to work on this, and I just keep encouraging them to keep going because I'm not mastering it either. I talked to Jay Papasan on the podcast a few weeks ago, for those of you who heard that episode, and I told him right off the bat, my opening line was that I haven't mastered this whole getting down to the one thing. And he just laughed and said, I've been working on this for eight years, and I still haven't perfected it. You know, So it does take time, uh, just like all of this noise hasn't come overnight. It's also not going to go away overnight. Yeah, It's probably going to take longer to learn how to get rid of it. Jordan, I think you're, just from what I've gotten to know about you, I think you're a pretty, you could tell me totally different, and that's fine. I think you're a pretty minimal person when it comes to just what you're focusing on and spending time. So you're busy, right? You got a lot of stuff going on every day, but it's not the stuff that's taking away value or taking away time. It's intentional. And uh, we talked, we laughing before about you not returning text messages and not getting back to me. You know, I just, I just wonder if I didn't have the screens all the time over the last couple of years in my face and those sort of things. What else would I be focused on? And, mm-hmm. and how can I start working this year to do that? Are you intentionally setting that up? Is that just part of your wiring? Have you thought much about it? You know, I think a lot of it is wiring. I am sort of of the mindset that, you know, I know what I have to do and it's pretty simple on a day to day basis. And I'm kind of the type of guy that just likes to keep my head down and, and work and not even think about anything else but work. I've always, you know, in college, I, I kept multiple jobs. And one thing that my struggle is with is I find I love deals. Like, I just love deals. My grandparents used to take me to garage sales as a kid. <laughs> and so it's treasure hunts. Like, what I enjoy is the treasure hunt. And so I find that I, I end up wasting a lot of time, like, at home, at night, you know, getting on these Craigslist style apps like OfferUp and let go, trying to find deals, you know, okay, buy so you and do, sell. So you do get on screens at night. Don't yeah, you? so I do. You just don't text me I back. I just don't text time. you back. <laughs> um, the truth comes yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think to that point, like those are activities that, you know, it's kind of like a hobby for me, um, but I could definitely cut out just to spend more time with my wife intentionally. And that's something that I, I guess the last couple of days I've sort of been convicted of is when I'm home, I need to give her 100% of my attention, not 96% of my attention, or not 72% of my attention. And And I'll tell you, that's going to get harder once Bear gets older and you have more kids. It just, it's almost like you're, without even thinking about it, you're almost like passing ships in the night. I used to hear married couples say that, and I'm like, what's that even mean? You live in a house together, and you're always (laughs) around each other. You sleep in the same bed together. I don't really understand. Now I get it. Now I totally get it, unfortunately, and we're really working to spend more time together. Yeah. That's awesome. We're being robbed of our relationships out there, guys. And I'm not saying that there's some evil thing that's doing that. I mean, we're doing it to ourselves. And so the cool thing about that is anything that we own, we can own it. Mm-hmm. It's not, I mean, I'm not going to be sitting there trying to get in deep work and an iPad just appears in front of my face. And I'm like, well, okay, crap. I guess I got to browse this thing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I can I can control <laughs> it, right? But it's going to take a little, hard, a little longer. So the whole point is to get stuff out of your face and not be in that fog of, Typical habitual automatic behavior where you're on the hunt and you're on the chase. 
frankly, it's making us miserable as a society. We're filling up our void in life with stuff, and that void will never be fixed by more stuff. Yep. We're trying to fill up actionable steps with more information. Like, oh, if I just wow. get more information, if I just get... The answer is not more information. Not more information at all. We don't need more stuff. We don't need more information to make these changes happen, okay? It's a delusion, and you could say that delusion's based on advertising. We're supposed to live certain lives that really, if you look back in the history of what our founding fathers were trying to create here, we were never meant to live this way. Never, We were never meant to live this way, and it's crucial that we recognize that now because for guys, especially our age, with kids growing up, or if your kids are even a little bit older, maybe it's even more important then because you have even less time with them. But this whole American dream, whatever that means to so many people or whatever our country was founded on, was the idea primarily around opportunity. It's what they wrote about. It's what they talked about. It's what they journaled about. It's the opportunity that they were trying to create, and that is morphed into materialism and stuff. Yep. One of the things that Hayes and I are trying to do to cut out some of the noise is this year we're trying not to watch television, trying to read every single night. It's crazy. Like television is one of those things that you think, I'm just going to cuddle up on the couch and watch a good show or watch a good movie. And I think, you know, it kind of goes back to good as the enemy of great. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you could do that regularly and it's, there's nothing wrong. It's just, it's a good activity. It's not a great activity. You know, reading a book together or just maybe having some couch time where you just talk about your day is a great activity. Good as the enemy of great. Yeah, we dropped our cable. I actually dropped it back in April. And then they would never cancel it. They just kept telling me it was in the queue. And then right when college football season started, they dropped it. And I was like, hey, thanks a lot, guys. You could have <laughs> kept it going for a little bit longer. They were bro. baiting you. They, they, were, were. they were wanting you to, they to were. say, don't cancel it. Yeah, they that want, yeah that's right. But I want to give you guys a few stats that I heard from this movie, Minimalism, and just a couple of other websites that I looked at. And uh, you may be blown away by this, just as I was. But think about this, guys. We have three times the space per person in the U.S. that we did in the 1950s. So if you look at the average house, or the average place where someone lives, we have three times the space that we did in the 1950s. Wow. But the problem is now that we have stuff on top of stuff on top of stuff, the United States storage building industry is a 2.2 billion square foot industry. You're kidding me. 2.2 billion square feet of footprint in the U.S. is just storage space facilities that most of them are full to some capacity. Now, we don't know how much stuff each person has in each one of those spaces, but they've got most of their spaces rented out in that, that 2.2 billion. Oh my gosh, that's insane. And, you know, another thing they said in this movie, and, and I think a lot of you will relate to this, is that there's proof, there's proof that when we're born, we have a strong attachment to people. I think our good creator made us to be relational. We don't have to be relational. We're drawn to certain people, especially family members that we're fond of. I mean, that's just Sometimes we don't even have to choose to do that. Yep. We are attracted and we're magnetized to have these relationships with people who are around us, but then those feelings a lot of times spill over into things. That's why you say, oh, I'm not going to pick up the phone right now and call somebody. I'm just going to stay here on my iPad or you know do whatever. And it's almost as if these things were more important to take up our time and void than people. One of the ladies in the, uh, in the documentary, she makes the quote, she says, I'm not sure we have such a great relationship with our things. So in other words, the whole point is, think about your iPad, think about your phone, think about even notes that are in front of your face, just anything that's occupying your time. What kind of relationship do you have with those things, but yet you're spending the majority of your week combing through those things? Our phones. I know I keep my phone on vibrate all day, every day. I should put it on do not disturb, but there's that fear there that I'm going to miss something really important. I really never do. 
I've got four staff people that could come and tell me if I'm missing something that's important. I could set up systems around that and feel even convicted in this moment that I, you know, yeah. that I should do that, but I should put my phone on do not disturb. But you've probably felt this. We've got our phones in our pockets so many times that every little ding, every little alert, every little vibrate, everything that happens is pulling us away. You know, it's just a little interruption. It's pulling us away from the important things we should be doing, as Cal Newport says, just dealing with deep work. And we're so accustomed to those vibrations. Many of you out there relate to this. You feel a vibration in your pocket Not and you that. reach and there's no phone there. That's nuts. That is insane. Like that's <laughs> phantom limb that's syndrome. That's crazy. And it's driving us crazy whether we want to admit it or not. Another stat, Jordan, I'll give you real quick. 3.1% of the world's kids live in America. So if you take all the children in the world, the U.S. has 3.1% of the kids. But of the children in the U.S., they're basically generating 40% of toy makers' revenue worldwide. Wow. 3.1% of the children in the U.S. are generating 40% of toy makers' worldwide revenue that sells straight to the U.S. My wife has been to Africa a couple times. She went on mission trip, medical mission trips in college. She would say, Jordan, they don't need our stuff. These people are happy. They don't want our America. I mean, they, they may want our stuff, but they don't need our stuff. They're happier than the kids down the street. Sure, they need clean water. They need food, um, but they don't need our junk. Yeah, you know, absolutely. The average American spends eight years of their life shopping. Wow. <laughs> so I watched this documentary at one point called, uh, called Happy. It was on, uh, I think it was on Apple TV. They were doing like a weekend, you know, rent it for free this weekend or something. And I was like, Okay, I don't really know what this is. And it was, it was, not to bash the documentary, I think it was well done, but it was basically what I thought it was, which is you need to go out and make yourself happy and you need to find your, your inner happiness and just really a lot of things that I think similar to uh, things like this where it's talking about, you know, have more stuff, you think you're going to be happier. I don't know if always just discovering your inner self is going to make you happier. There's a void there that we can't fill. We were created for a bigger purpose. But what I did take away from that was all the research they did on the countries. And what made me think of it is what you just said. They don't need our stuff, right? All the research they did on the countries out there that are classified as way happier than the U.S. in just their emotional and psychological state, spending time with family. And they had all these different gradients and measurements that they used to test that. But, I mean, it's just amazing. The stuff that's controlling us is not going to make us happy. You've probably heard this before. Many of you out there probably have this. Once you make $75,000, your happiness is really, there's an opportunity cost that diminishes with each dollar you make after that. Because at $75,000 in the U.S. today, which doesn't sound like a, a tremendous amount of money for a lot of, pe- a lot of you listening in out there, but at $75,000, you've pretty much met your essentials, which they you know, classify as healthcare costs, shelter, food, the necessary items that would just help you to live comfortably. Keep you alive. You know, yeah. yeah. Keep you alive or just help you live comfortably, right? Now, if you make $30,000, every dollar you make, you know, so to speak, on top of that is going to add some level of either security or, or more contentment because you're now not stressing so much about providing those essential things or those things that make you feel more comfortable. But above $75,000, I've heard this stat for a long time, more income does not equal more happiness. More happiness. Yep. And that's just kind of crazy, 75000 bucks. I know a lot of people, you know, if they, you know, Wife has a couple of kiddos. They're making seventy five, eighty thousand dollars a year, maybe as a teacher, you know, or something like that. And they're just stressing out all the time. But maybe that stress is not necessary. Maybe they're trying to keep up with, yep. you know, other things. And I think there. too that I read an article about that and thought, man, that's really interesting. 
I would assume that that's kind of a general statement, right? You live in San Francisco and the cost of living is 19 times what it is in Louisiana. You know, maybe 75 <laughs> grand swamp. doesn't cut it. You know? Is that out in the swamp? Yeah, down in the swamp. <laughs> down in the swamp, 75, you're rich. You know? yeah, that's right. You got a mansion. Um, but the idea is, is, right, it's the law of diminishing returns, right? Every yeah. incremental dollar after, call it 75, call it 100 grand, doesn't make you any happier. And it's true. It really is true. Yeah. I heard recently, it's crazy to think that the word priority wasn't even listed in the dictionary as a plural word until the 20th century. It was just priority. Like you have a priority. And if that priority is not a priority anymore, then maybe you have a priority over here. Now we have priorities. What are my priorities for the day? Right. And though that's not bad. Right. I mean, we have to figure out how to set up different things and especially highly active business people. But what is our priority? First and foremost, let's get that figured out. And then I think maybe below that, what, maybe it's just important things <laughs> below that, but this, it's not the priority. And that actually came from Greg McCown's book, uh, Essentialism, which I would encourage you guys to get. Essentialism is just just what it sounds like. It's just what are the essential things we need to simplify our day-to-day, our business, our relationships, all of those sort of things. And, uh, and one last thing that I'll give you here, and then we'll kind of move on because I think I'll go through this over the next couple of weeks. This will blow you away, Jordan, hopefully. Your brain, check this out. I, th- I think the brain is just a fascinating thing. Your brain is processing 11 million bits of data every time you perceive. So if you, you, know, if you look your head up and look at something, somebody says, hey, look at this, and you look up, you're not just looking at that thing. There's 11 million bits of data around you that your brain is processing. So that could be breathing, that could be sensory, that could be sight, that could be hearing, that could be just brain functions we don't even know are going on, brain waves, alpha waves, whatever but 11 million pieces. And by the time it makes it down into the part of your brain where you actually process something and then move forward and take action on that, you're only processing about 40 to 50 bits of information. So it goes from 11 million down to 40 or 50 bits of information. And what I would say is, how can we keep ourselves, if that's naturally occurring just in our own mind, all the stuff we're putting in front of our face each day, we're just adding to that 11 million bits of data that's going on. And so again, I can't say it enough. It's just noise. You know, don't think of minimalism, guys, as this crazy idea that you can't get on board with or like, man, what are these guys talking about? You know, what is this? Minimalism could even be, you know, we've said it's different things to different people. To me, it could even be getting your calendar scaled down each day, maximizing your efforts at every step along the way, your time blocking, but you've got half the time built into your calendar and you're doing a lot more with it. Yeah. That, that could be minimalism. That could be a good start you. It doesn't mean go throw away all your possessions. It doesn't mean it's just make the most of whatever's in front of you. And if you need to get rid of some stuff or some distractions or set up some systems in order to do that and get into that deep work time for us as business guys, start there. I love it. Don't, don't go start throwing away your whole house. That's not what I'm saying. Yep. Um, and hopefully you can tell, I mean, I, I'm serious about this and it's really uh, convicted me a lot lately. And so uh, I am cleaning out this weekend because there's just too much stuff there. But it's more important to me. I mean, I could go clean out my closet this weekend and still be stressed with all the stuff in my face, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's more important, you know, it's more important to not just go home and empty out your whole garage than it is to choose to be grateful for the things that are in the garage. Yeah. You know, so, you know, obviously there's some truth to maybe doing some home cleaning, maybe... Maybe if you're a hoarder, let's let's kind of clean up the kitchen (laughs) a little bit. Right. Um, But I think a lot of that is we begin to learn how to be grateful and we'll choose to start walking more minimalistically. Yeah. Yeah. 
So guys, write into me, comment in. You guys are always so great about doing that. I get more learning done from what I hear from you guys more than even preparing notes and things for the podcast. But I would just say for you guys, write into me what minimalism is to you. Write yeah. it, write into me, even if you disagree with it. I mean, if you think everything that we're saying is full of crap, I want to know that as well. Don't be afraid to write that into me because I want to know what you guys are thinking out there. But I think it's going to be really hard. It's, you're it's going to you're going to have to fight really hard to sway me off of this, uh, just because I am a pretty extreme person. I've got a very addictive personality and uh, even chewing gum. I mean, at one point it was, hey, I like to chew gum. I'm glad I found some gum in my desk. And this was back when I lived in Houston to, hey, I keep gum on me all the time to I eat a pack of gum a day. And then very recently, I've scaled back a little bit now, but I was going through two packs of gum a day. Really? It was like cigarettes. I'd, it would lose the flavor. And I'd chunk it, and I'd pick up the box, and almost think like I need to hit the box on my hand, you know? <laughs> and then I'd throw two more pieces in. There's always two pieces, right? Because you gotta you gotta have a big old uh, wad in your mouth. I didn't but, even know that. Yeah, so I've really uh, scaled back, just kind of reading some of the information on some of the stuff that's in gum. And I'm gonna that. get you some big league chew. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. So yeah, sugar free. I gotta have sugar free gum. <laughs> if you eat that much, it'll rot your mouth out. But uh, oh, man. but I would say, you know, for you guys, we'll kind of leave this topic now and and we'll pick back up on it next time but i'm going to give some more practical answers as time goes on and uh hopefully you guys will write in and tell me what you're doing to be more of a minimalist in 2017 how this data impacts you i hope you go out and get the book or the documentary watch that thing and i think you're going to learn a lot about just what our society has become and maybe what you have even become without realizing it yeah i think it'd be awesome just to talk about belief self-confidence Oh, that's big. Um, I think self-confidence is, is such an important factor when it comes to being successful. I mean, it may arguably be the most important. I think so. I was, I was talking to a guy, I guess it was last week, week before. He's a manager, and he makes good money, and he's on a good track. And he said, you know, it's something like, I, I, I see myself in the management role forever. And I said, that's great. I said, I think you would be great at sales if you ever decided that's, you know, a field that you'd want to be in. And he says, oh, I hate sales. And he says, I just, I don't like it. I wouldn't be good at it. And I said, first of all, you would be good at it because you, you have a great personality and you're great with people and you're a hard worker. And there's a, a number of reasons why I think you'd be really good at it. But I said, there's a difference between selling something that you believe in and selling something for the sake of selling it. And so, so much of, of life is just belief. If you're working a job, selling something you don't believe in or you know, we're all selling at all times, right? Regardless of what industry you're in. Um, but if you're trying to sell something that you're not passionate about, you do not believe in, I'd encourage you just to get out. Get out and go do something else, you know? Because it is tough enough to be successful uh, with something that you do believe in. It's very tough to be successful if you're doing something that you can't get behind. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. You know, emotionally, physically, you know, the thing that I love about what we do is we make an impact, you know, and, and as tough as our job is, we know that our clients' lives are changed because of it. And so we're, you know, extremely passionate about what we do. And so it doesn't matter how often I get kicked in the face uh, because, you know, I know that at the end of the day, I've done a good work uh, when I hit the bed at night, you yeah. know? So I think belief is, is an important factor. And what's interesting is the word confidence comes from the Greek word confidere or confidere, which actually means belief. Isn't that wild? So self-confidence just means self-belief or belief in yourself. And there's two categories that psychologists uh, use to describe self-confidence. There's specific 
self-confidence, and then there's general self-confidence. And so specific self-confidence is... Those sound the same. No, they're not. I know you're about to dive into it. Yeah. So specific self-confidence is I am confident in this one area of work or in this one area of my life. Maybe it's my job I'm really good at. Maybe it's my home life. You know, I'm, I'm a really great husband. Maybe I'm a great basketball player, but I'm not just generally self-confident. I don't walk into the room and just, you know, it's not all smiles for me. I'm very nervous when I walk in the room for the first time. Are you talking about you or just giving an example? An example. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, that's not you. You're not describing you. <laughs> so, so the idea is general self-confidence is, you know, you can look somebody in the eye, shake a hand and be right into a conversation with the man that you, you just met. Right. right. Yeah. Specific self-confidence is I know I'm good at my job. I'm very confident in the, in the role that I play. Uh, but I might not be the life of the party, or I might not be really comfortable in all situations. And the interesting thing is they say that general self-confidence is a personality trait. But they say that small wins, which we always talk about small wins, um, small wins in specific confidence areas, so like small win in your job, small win in your job, small win in your job, can lead to general self-confidence. Yeah, compound effect. Isn't that wild? So if you're struggling with self-confidence, a couple things I'd say is it's, it all starts with belief. So the first thing is, if you're doing something you don't believe in, get out. If you're in a job you don't believe in, get out, let's find something else for you. But figure out, spend some time figuring out what it is that you were meant to do. What is your purpose on this earth? Find the one thing, the one thing that drives you. Yeah. Let me kind of ask you a question on that. You said the first, if you're, if you're somebody that doesn't have confidence, the first thing you have to do is have belief. If I'm a skeptic out there hearing what you're saying i say well okay jordan that sounds great but the whole reason that i'm not confident is i don't have belief so you're saying in order to be confident you got to get belief it almost sounds like this winding circle is it a catch-22 yeah yeah so what i'm getting at is if we can create some small wins and some, some specific confidence areas seeing some results uh on a regular basis that you're happy with can result or can bring apart some general confidence in the rest of your life. If you're in a role at work that, you know, maybe you're happy with, maybe you feel like it's, it's the right role for you, um, seeing some results at work where you're, you're getting some small wins, you know, maybe on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, can pour over into general confidence in your life. My point is, if you're doing stuff that you can't get small wins in, you probably should stop doing it and do something else. Yeah, that's good. Something that you believe in. That's good. You know, I was really encouraged by uh, your comments a few podcasts ago about the strangest secret, Earl Nightingale. We are basically some of our thoughts. The sum of our thoughts. We're the sum of our thoughts. Zig Ziglar said forever that you are where you are today by what you've put into your mind, and that people will argue with that. Like, no, my circumstances, my this, my that. But we are way more in control of where we are in life because of all these. You're talking about small wins over and over. It's also small decisions over and over maybe negative, that have led you down a path that you don't want to be on. And so your whole idea or your whole comment about belief really is true. And I think some people will hear that and go, man, I'm going to start working toward that. And then a lot of people will hear that and go, what a catch 22. I don't even know how to go get these small wins to get the belief, to then get the confidence. And so I'm just kind of spinning here. You're in control of a lot more of this, guys, than what you realize. You're, you're more in control of your brain when you're focused on it than what we give credit for. Yep. Otherwise, your brain will control you. And we just live in a society where, you know, it really is negative. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's more tended to be negative. So 
you know, it's just, it's interesting. I was talking to Dan Miller on the podcast yesterday. He wrote a book called 48 Days to the Work You Love. And he's talking about really looking inside to find your passions, not outside at everything else around you and what other people are doing and what people say you should be doing. And, you know, it's just going to exactly what you're talking about is how can I go and find what I'm supposed to be doing to go find the work I love by looking inside? That's going to build confidence. Yep. Right. And it's really interesting. I won't go long on this here, but the company now that puts out Oliver Old Nightingale stuff, his recordings and publishes books still to this day, they called him a while back, Dan Miller, said, hey, we love your content. We love what you're putting out. It's tested well with our listeners. We want you to come do like a six-week recorded thing that we're going to put out and, you know, send it out to our listeners. And that was like, you know, 10 years ago or something like that. And so recently they sent him the all-time best-selling programs through Earl Nightingale's, you know, what is that company today? And he said he was just blown away, number three on the list of all time. They've had Tony Robbins. They've had everybody in there. He said number three on the list was Dan Miller's teaching and leadership coaching lessons. And then Earl Nightingale's Strangest Secret was right. No way. So he said I was blown away because that book is what sent me on my path to where I am today as a man, as a leader, as a father. And uh, I just thought that was a really neat story. And he said also uh, Acres of Diamonds. You guys need to go read Acres of Diamonds because it's talking about just all the blessings and benefits that we have around us right underneath our face that will help build confidence that we're just not even tapping into, yet we're making excuses for why we're not where we need to be. That's so awesome. Yeah, it's a huge thing. Uh, Self-sabotage is a huge thing as well that we can build up if we're not super careful. Yeah, and I, I think to that, back to the Earl Nightingale is, so much of our, our belief in ourself is what we tell ourselves, you know? So I think to that, you need to be doing something you believe in. You need to be doing something you're confident, not confident in. You need to do something that you're passionate about. But there's also, so step one is do something you're passionate about. Step two is you got to tell yourself that you're going to be successful, um, that you matter, and that you can be successful. You know, so there's so much power in your words. And, and you know, I, I think... A lot of people get worried to talk to themselves because it sounds kind of weird. Sounds maybe too sensationalist, but it's a good idea to talk to yourself. It's a good idea before you step into a meeting to say, I'm going to do well in this meeting. I'm prepared. I am, you know, ready. I have something to offer uh, the people that I'm about to meet with. Yeah, absolutely. And I've said on the podcast plenty of times before, some of you out there will recognize this. I haven't said it in a little while, but you know, you said it's okay to talk to yourself. Some people may not choose to talk to themselves because they think it's weird, whatever. So it's okay to talk to yourself. The truth is, and I understand what you were saying by that, but the truth is, we're always talking to ourselves. Always. Whether you say, and I said that for a long time, it's like, I don't need to read my affirmations every morning. I don't need to read my gratitudes or my goals aloud to myself. That's kind of, I don't know, successful people do it. Yeah, but I don't know. That seems kind of weird. I don't need to talk to myself. I'll just go work. Well, the truth is, (laughs) I'm constantly talking to myself. (laughs) And the problem is, if you're not doing it with intention and design, and you're just living by default in that area... You're going to talk to yourself whether you think it's weird or not, but it's going to be super negative. Yep. I don't care who you are. It's going to be super negative unless you're intentionally designing it. And the cool thing is, like I said, when we own it, we can get to a position where it's it becomes habit and it becomes normal. And then suddenly all the negativity and all the negative people around us and the negative stuff, the things that are really harming our confidence and our belief, those now become really repulsive to us yep. because we're so used to living in a different way. Yep. So that's awesome, man. Thanks for bringing that. Guys, if you guys want to connect directly with us, please shoot us a message at info at success101podcast.com. 
or you can catch us in the world of social media on Facebook and Instagram for me at success 101 podcast Instagram the Duke of Earl the Duke of Earl's best handle ever <laughs> and Facebook and LinkedIn for you but yeah shoot us messages let us know what you're thinking especially about confidence self-belief talking to yourself during the day I'd love to hear your thoughts on all of that and what you guys are doing and just some success stories of you guys that have overcome some of that and you're living a totally different way that you thought you'd never live or maybe you think self-talk is silly and you know you want to voice that to us send it we'd, we'd love to hear about it we'd love to hear what you're thinking and what you're doing Send us some scientific stats on why you think that's silly, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then also the whole minimalist thing, I'll turn it into that next time. I just wanted to get some data out to you guys today and just let you know how serious I am about making 2017 the year where I get more of the noise dialed down. And if you guys would love to join me on that journey, I'd love to hear what you're doing. And uh, and this is something I think is going to be life-changing for me because it's just gotten to a point where it's too much. And for a lot of you out there, you probably feel the same way. So keep tuning in to the Success 101 podcast. We've got a great lineup coming your way as as we continue to keep doing the live shows also send us ideas and thoughts, any guests that you can get me connected with. I'm always open to that. I shot that out a few weeks ago and got connected to some great guests. Don't send me anybody that you have no connection to whatsoever. That doesn't help me at all. Uh, but if you know some ends to some people that you can get me connected with and you think they would fit well in the areas of peak performance and uh, self-improvement and helping us reach our max potential each day, send them my way. I'd love to talk to you, and we will catch you guys on the next episode of the Success 101 podcast. See ya. See ya.